remember, and uh, about a couple of years ago, a year, a year, yeah, two years ago, when uh, Justin said a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian, even when they are terrorists? Well, apparently that isn't really true, because while terrorist ISIS fighters who are taken off from Canada to kill overseas, apparently they can come back to this country, and they are. But other monsters, yeah, not so much. Here is the case. Canada's immigration minister is now taking the steps to revoke citizenship from a man accused of Bosnian war crimes. He got here to Canada in 1997, got his citizenship in 2004. Yeah, you gotta wonder how that happened. But in this case, the government alleges he lied to immigration officials about his time in a Bosnia-Croat militia. So the accusation is that he was part of an incident back in 1993 when Bosnian Muslims were rounded up, locked in a room, and several of them were burned to death and then thrown in a mass grave. The man in question has a wife, two kids, and a home outside Hamilton. He drives a truck. But he has been denied access to the U.S. many, many times and was even detained at the border back in 2007. He did attend a a hearing to clear his name, but he was denied and then eventually barred from entering the U.S. at all. He argues he has been wrongly accused, but the government wants him out on the basis that he committed war crimes. My question, how in God's name did he get in to begin with? Why has he not, I mean, why has it taken so long to get him out? And why is he being forced to leave, and Canadians who go fight with ISIS are being brought back in. Let's ask someone who would know. Giddy Mammon enjoys us. He is with Migration Law. Hello there. Hi, Alex. How are you? Good. I I gave kind of the the quick and dirty, the bones of the story, but what stands out for you in in this particular case? Well, a couple of things. First of all, in 1997, he was selected as a refugee from Bosnia, And at that time, he denied uh, having been involved in the military in any way, shape, or form. So it's going to be very interesting to see what information comes out in the federal court. Now that Minister Hussein has filed an application for a declaration in the federal court, he's entitled to a full hearing. So it's going to be interesting to see if he says, oh, no, no, I was never in the military like he did when he, in 1997 when he was selected as a refugee, or whether he says, yes, I told a little fib, but I was never really involved in any kind of war crime. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Right, but for whatever reason he got in, he was given his Canadian citizenship. So if, if we are to live by Justin Trudeau's promise that a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian, why is he getting uh, ex- you know, centered out when we know that we've got people leaving this country going to fight with ISIS, who knows what they're doing with ISIS, but they are being allowed back in and they're not being sent away. Right. So you're raising actually a very important question. First of all, let me start with uh, Justin Trudeau's statement. That statement cannot be taken seriously uh, because when you apply for permanent residence and you lie, you stand to lose your permanent residency. If you obtain your Canadian citizenship by fraud, you stand to lose your Canadian citizenship. And that's been a cornerstone of our immigration laws for many, many years. And if you take away those cornerstones, you're, you're going to slip down a very slippery slope because basically you're going to be allowing people to reap the reward of fraud. And that really cannot be the case. So I don't believe that, that Justin, Justin Trudeau, when he said that thought the things right through, 
But even if he meant that, then that would raise your question uh, in, in even a brighter light. Why then are we taking back Canadians who may have committed terrible atrocities overseas, and why is it that we cannot deal with them through revocation? So that's a very good public policy question. I'm not sure how he's going to try to wiggle out of that, uh, uh, out of those conflicting principles that he seems to be uh, pursuing. Well, because if I'm a lawyer, and I'm not, I would be raising the fact that if you are a Canadian or someone who is in Canada and you went to fight with ISIS, again, you're doing it under uh, false uh, pretenses because you would have had to lie uh, about why you were leaving the country and where you were going. So that in itself uh, should make you uh, just as guilty then as this guy. Now, I'm not suggesting for a second that this this man in this particular case should uh, should not be kicked out. I'm just saying what is the difference of why we are allowing some in to stay and not others? One of the, one of the possible answers that I could suggest is uh, the uh, the problem with uh, rendering someone stateless. For example, a person like this who had another nationality who we gave Canadian citizenship to, he may have another nationality to fall on when, um, when we revoke. But if you take a person who's a Canadian citizen by birth, they were born in this country, and then they go do something abroad, and presumably you try to revoke their citizenship, they would be rendered stateless, which is uh, something that we're not allowed to do according to international law. But also, I think the better approach is, I'm not so sure that the punishment there sort of fits the crime. If you go abroad and you are engaging in uh, crimes uh, against humanity and war crimes, in treason, you should be prosecuted for that. I'm not so sure that revocation of citizenship is the proper course. I think someone should fi- should be facing uh, criminal uh, proceedings if they have done something overseas that, uh, that, that requires sanction. Right. So in this case, does the accused in question, does he have anything to stand on? Can he uh, fight this? And what about his family? He's got two kids here and a wife, um, right. and they live outside of Hamilton. What happens to them? Well, that is a common dilemma that that I, as a practitioner, face on a regular basis. People who have lied to acquire Canadian residency or citizenship, and they leave a wake of innocent people uh, who get harmed uh, by those actions many years later. Uh, That is an unfortunate situation. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, the equities favor a little bit of generosity, a little bit of compassion. And in other cases, we simply cannot exercise that compassion. And I would suggest in the situation of a war criminal, um, we as a society have to make a statement that we do not want to reward someone for that kind of misrepresentation. We don't want those kinds of people living in our midst and being our neighbors And uh, we just don't. And we have to fully acknowledge that there are going to be some innocent people who are going to suffer as a result. But we just can't have it both ways sometimes. We can't be compassionate and we can't maintain the integrity of our system at the same time. I think it would be a very dangerous precedent if we allowed, uh, you know, people like war criminals, people like terrorists to come in, uh, presumably people who had no compassion for others at some point, uh, and now to and now to express compassion for them because they have a relative who may be adversely affected. Sure, uh, but it does raise questions about the vetting process of this person. I mean, it's one thing to lie, but he couldn't have been vetted so thoroughly um, 
these things should have been found out back in 1997. I mean, he came in as a, a refugee, I guess, but they've had a long, long time, uh, governments on all sides, to figure out who he is and uh, what he's done, what he has not done. And yet here we are in 2017 uh, making a decision on this case. Well, Alex, first of all, you have to understand the refugee business is a very dirty business. Often we have to make decisions about people's lives when there are no documents, there are no boots on the ground where Mm -hmm. we have our Canadian officials overseas who are able to check anything. Municipal records and birth records and marriage records are destroyed. Uh, Government infrastructure is gone. And we do what we think is security clearances, but they're not effective. And no matter what people say, when you bring in people under refugee-like circumstances, you are taking some risk. Now, whether your compassion is enough to assume those risks is for you to decide as a, as a country. Uh, what, is, uh, what is fascinating about this, I think, is that in 2007, he took on the Americans. He mm-hmm. was denied entry to the U.S., and it was affecting his livelihood, and he wanted to confront these allegations. And that was in 2007, and he lost. The Americans found that he's inadmissible to the United States because of his, uh, uh, of his war activities, his military activities, and he was permanently denied entry to the United States. It's interesting to see that it took 10 years, 10 years for, yeah. for our Minister of Immigration to step up and say, hey, uh, maybe uh, we need to take a look at this yeah. grant of citizenship that we gave you back in 2004. Do uh, you think? Do you, you, think? you would think, yeah. because we have a relationship with the Americans, yeah. uh, we could ask them for the transcripts, for the evidence that they have against a, a fellow who says he never was in the military. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know why it took 10 years, but I'm sure somebody might have a good, a good answer out there. I just can't think of one. But Well, it's bureaucracy, Gideon, and that's where we'll end it. I have to let you go on that. Thank Thank you you so much, Alex. Thank you for having me. Getty Mammon uh, joining us uh, this evening. And and in in his words, refugees, it's a dirty, dirty business. And you wonder about the vetting and why people are getting so upset about people streaming across the border. I mean, the major concern is, have they been vetted and do they pose some kind of security risk? I guess we'll find out in 30 years, because apparently that's how long it takes.